Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We hit the field light! All night light! All night light! Here we go! Here we go! Ah! Keep it all! Keep it all! Keep it all! This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast, an emergency podcast where we have breaking news about the next Browns head coach, Daryl Ryder, and I are going to discuss that and so much more in just a second. A quick reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Radio.com app, and wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you leave a five-star review so more Cleveland sports fans can find us. All right, Daryl, let's dive into it. By the way, Daryl has a ton on this on our website at 923thefan.com. Kevin Stefanski will become the 18th full-time Browns head coach in history. And uh, the Vikings offensive coordinator, I I expect uh, to hear more about the the front office and things like that. And we're going to dive into all that stuff. But make sure you check out Daryl's work at 923thefan.com. Daryl, it's it's been a crazy three days. It's included me bugging you It's in, uh, via text. It's included um, plenty of tweets for me and you about this situation. Friday, it felt like it was Josh McDaniels, which we'll get into. That didn't happen. And uh, it looked more and more like Kevin Stefanski or Robert Salah. And Stefanski won out. He's the next Browns head coach. Your, your initial reaction to this news and, and thoughts about it. Well, I don't think Stefanski won out. Paul DePodesta is the one that won out uh, because Stefanski was his choice a year ago. So um, uh, a year later, here we are. Um, you know, the, the good news for the for the Browns is he comes from an organization of stability. He spent 14 years with the Minnesota Vikings, survived three different head coaches. So that obviously, I think, speaks to the quality of coach that he is, that three separate head coaches felt it important uh, to keep him uh, on staff despite uh, making uh, multiple other changes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, philosophically, uh, and, and I wrote about this on the website, you know, everything's going to be aligned now. The resistance to Paul DePodesta and the analytics department, and that is should be uh, eliminated um, Jimmy Haslam made it very clear on January 2nd when he spoke with us uh, after uh, <clears throat> parting ways uh, with Freddie Kitchens and then uh, John Dorsey that, you know, organizational alignment was a, a priority. And uh, under his ownership, they have never been from a, from at least on the football side of things, they've never been aligned. There's always mm-hmm. been friction. There's always been people speaking in different language and having the owner's ears and the tug of wars and the internal fighting and cannibalism and dysfunction and all this other stuff that has gone on. So these guys are all in the same boat. They're either going to succeed together or fail together. And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But um, Paul DePodesta got his way and Kevin Stefanski's uh, Finally, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, albeit a year later than Deepa Dusta would have liked it to be. Yeah, let's talk about Stefanski a bit, because obviously we know him 
from the Vikings. You, you watched his offense struggle against a really good San Francisco 49ers defense on Saturday night. From a an offense perspective, look, I get it. Uh, you know, here's my concern with Stefanski, and I've made it known and I've made it very clear. He's, it, despite him being in the, the Vikings organization for 14 years, one year as an offensive coordinator. And I, I, I think it's a great point you mentioned where he survived three different head coaches because that matters. At the same time, can he come in here and command the room, command Odell, command Baker, command these guys? Because they're in win now mode. And mm-hmm. I think we forget about that, but this is very much a win now environment. And if Kevin Stefanski's four and six going into week 11 or week 12 next year, we're talking about, ah, is he it? Is he the guy? And we're having our doubts. And, and I don't think we would have necessarily had that with Josh McDaniels had he come in here and, and struggled early on. Um, so to, to me, that that's a big 20 years of dysfunction, Daryl. As you know, that's a lot to overcome. That's hard to overcome. We've seen Baker struggle with that a bit. And uh, they need someone in here that can handle Baker and handle the offense, but also handle the entire locker room and command the locker room. Freddie Kitchens certainly couldn't do that. And uh, we'll see if if Kevin Stefanski is able to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, he is, uh, from what I understand, he's a little bit of a disciplinarian, so he's not going to take any grief from anybody. Um, Some of the unnecessary penalties we saw last year, you know, the taunting the late hits, uh, you know, those type of things, the controllable 15 yard penalties, you know, those things should get cleaned up. No question about it. Um, you look at Minnesota's offense, you were, you, you know, you, you, you were, uh, talking about that a little bit. Um, you know, uh, he had some success, uh, this past year, uh, with the Vikings. Um, I know everyone's looking to that playoff game with San Francisco as the, the litmus test of why he should not have gotten the job. And listen, I said this about, uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens going into the, the season finale in Cincinnati. You cannot make decisions in a vacuum of one game, okay? Sure, yesterday wasn't, or I should say Saturday, as we record this on a Sunday afternoon, uh, it was not a, uh, it certainly was not his uh, finest hour. He absolutely got schooled by uh, the 49ers defense. Uh, but the, the, the bottom line, they're a top 10 team in scoring, okay? Uh, they scored five more points a game than the Browns did this past year. And, I, and they, I don't think, had as much offensive talent as the Browns had. Um, They were a top 10 team in rushing. Um, Kirk Cousins was among the top five in passer rating. He had an excellent touchdown to interception ratios, like 26, 27 to like around, you know, six or seven, something like that, just off the top of my head. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, and, and I, I get people, well, he's only a coordinator for a year and a half. This is Freddie Kitchens 2.0 and, 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 and all that. But uh, I, I think he's an upgrade over Freddie Kitchens. Uh, does he that command, doesn't say much, though, Daryl. I understand. <laughs> and, but, and here's the other thing, too. Is does he command the same respect that a Josh McDaniels would? Well, I don't know. You know? Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I guess the, the, the two positives, they upgraded at the position, uh, as you said, wouldn't take much. And then also um, the organization, whether you believe in the philosophy or not, whether I believe in it or you, it's immaterial. Fans, it's immaterial. And I know that there's a lot of negative reaction to this hire, and I get it. Okay, 
But you know what? If I had a dollar for every other head coach that uh, we absolutely love the hire of, let, you know, let's be real, okay? And they've all failed. So uh, let, I'm going to judge this thing as we get into the season as to whether or not he was uh, the right hire. And I'm going to judge the front office that's coming in here, uh, you know, uh, based on what they do uh, in the offseason. And hopefully they don't tear this thing down. Hopefully they build off of uh, what uh, <clears throat> has has been accomplished from a personnel standpoint. So, um We'll see how it plays out. I really don't have uh, a positive or negative reaction either way. I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, I don't have a hot take about it, really. Um, it's just, you know, let, let's see what happens. But um, uh, I understand why they went this route. And um, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it. I, I don't think that having, um, even if they are speaking the same language, the Haslam's, having everybody report to them independently. It's failed before. I, I'm worried it's going to fail again. Um, I, 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 I thought that Josh McDaniels uh, going in and requesting organizational change and whatnot. I mean, my God, you're, you're uh, since taking over uh, ownership of this thing, the Browns have been uh, an abomination. And I'm looking up the record real quick because I want to be accurate on this to be, you know, make sure to, to not only drive the point home, but to be to be fair in my criticism of the Haslam's <clears throat> since the sale of the team closed on October 25th, 2012. The Cleveland Browns are 32, uh, 88 and one. So what, they're responsible directly because they remember they inherited people that year. They fired everybody after two. 2012. So since they fired everybody and started hiring and firing their own people in 2013, their record is 28-83 and one. So I mean, the audacity of Josh McDaniels to walk into that meeting on on Friday in that interview and suggest that they make some significant organizational changes. I mean, how dare he of the six Super Bowl ring, coaching the greatest quarterback of all time on the resume? Uh, lineage there under the greatest coach of all time in Bill Belichick. My goodness gracious, how awful he would suggest the Haslam's needed to change how they operated the franchise. Yeah. And that's that to me, that's what worries me here because what, what have we talked about over the past five, six, seven, eight years? It's always been what a power struggle. It's mm -hmm. been multiple different guys going in their way. You, you got the report from Seth Wickersham last year about how John Dorsey flexed his muscle to get Freddie kitchens and now it's kind of like it's, oh, it's Paul's turn. It's Paul's turn because he wanted uh, McDermott, who ended up in Buffalo. And, and so far, Sean McDermott's done a good job in Buffalo. Uh, right. He didn't want Hugh Jackson. Oh, he didn't want Freddie Kitchens. Guess what I keep hearing about all the times they got it right, which means uh -huh. Paul D. Podesta is, guess what he's doing? Leaking that, oh, guess what? I, guess who I wanted? I wanted McDermott. I didn't want Hugh Jackson. I didn't want Freddie Kitchens. All right, well, first off, thanks for leaking that. That, that yep. creates tension in the building when that leaks. And leaks well, always happen, what, what, as you know, for a reason. Uh, and and the, the other thing, Daryl, with with Paul, and, and we can get into Josh McDaniels, too, like you said, because obviously I'm, I was on team hire McDaniels. I just the, – the fact that he won this, like you said, that worries me because he – is he all in on the Browns? He's not in that facility every day, and I know he nope. calls in. And that's and, a problem, and, 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 and I'm going to pause it, you right there. Yeah. That is a major, major problem, is the fact that people that work in that building 
are sick and tired of him having the owner's ear, and he's not even in the building every day, and he's judging everything that they are doing without being in the building every day. And that's why in, in my column I mentioned, you know, he's this serial commuter from California in teleconference uh, commuter as well, because he's in Haslam's ear second-guessing everything that they're doing, and that's a problem. And we don't we don't get to talk to Paul DePodesta. He's hiding in the shadows. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see him in the press box. He doesn't look at anybody. He doesn't talk to anybody. Okay. He just goes to and from his seat where he's watching the game. And it, 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 it <laughs> it's quite frankly, it's antisocial behavior is what it is. And so um, it's understandable that people in the building don't like him and have reservations about him. I, have reservations about him it's not a whether i like the guy or not here's because the deal is is his reputation come from major league baseball and i noted this again in my column that i wrote is that everywhere he went major league baseball he won he was known as an organizational builder okay from top to bottom from scouting and personnel to on the field to data analytics and everything else okay and he was successful everywhere he went it's taken four years now for him to get his way okay It's taken him four years with the Browns for him to get his way completely because he had to weather through the Sashi Hugh Jackson wars. He had to weather through the John Dorsey wars. And now he's going to get a GM that he aligns with. And I believe that that general manager is going to be a familiar name, Andrew Barry who spent last year with Philadelphia is their vice president of football operations. When he was here, he was one of three or four vice presidents of player personnel and also one of the co-authors of one in 31. That's going to come in. That's what scares me. Why are people in there are a, a part of the fan base that's excited for his return. I wasn't here then. Why would you, um, well, I guess there are people who still think Sashi was good. Obviously he wasn't, but what, what, what do you get from that? What What is your takeaway with in thoughts on him coming back, Andrew Barry potentially coming back to the organization in a GM role where he's not only doing analytics, but having the final say yeah. uh, on, on players on the roster? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's responsible for the, uh, the only player that uh, or players, I should say, that uh, Sashi Brown produced, Miles Garrett and uh, Joe Schobert. So hell, they <laughs> didn't want it. They, they didn't want Miles Garrett. <laughs> that part of the building didn't remember. I know. I, mean, that's, a, I know. that's a real thing. Mitch Trubisky. I, Good God. I, I know. So um, Andrew's a, a, a great guy. He's got a wonderful family. He's an up and comer riser in the ranks. I just don't know that the Cleveland Browns are the right spot for him for his first head football executive role. Um, I just, I have reservations with that, you know, Alonzo Highsmith, uh, I don't know where he fits in now. He might not fit in anymore. I don't know. Um, uh, Elliot Wolf also brought in by John Dorsey where he fits. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, hopefully I'll say this. Okay. If those two guys stay, if Elliot Wolf and if Alonzo Highsmith remain and they work under Andrew Barry, I would feel much, much better about this thing going forward. But if Barry comes in and those two guys go, I'm going to worry tremendously about their ability to to evaluate talent. 
shouldn't that be what's happened what happens anyway and, and this is what really annoys me about the browns because in 2016 they go all in with sashi and q and they marry those guys together and they say we're going to have this balance of analytics and we're going to use analytics and we're going to do that but then you have Hugh, the football guy. Yep. And in reality, that's how it should work. It should be balanced, not all in on one thing and not all in on the other. Well, Look, here's, let, it, me, can, let me let me explain what happened there, though. OK, when Hugh was hired, it was all, OK. We're going to turn this thing around, achieve greatness. We're going to you know, we're, we're, we're in win now mode. Mm-hmm. And then two months later, they said, uh, this roster really sucks. We got to blow this thing up. And what we need to do is go into a five year plan. Let's swap out these players we're paying significant dollars to, and let's uh, let's focus on acquiring draft picks, acquiring assets, and saving our salary cap space for when it's time to actually really, truly invest in the roster. And that pissed off Hugh Jackson. And Hugh Jackson looked around, and he saw guys like Joe Hayden being let go, and he's like, you know, what the hell's going on here? Well, F this. And that's how you ended up with one and 31. And I noted this in my column today as well. And I hate, please go read it on the website. Uh, Cause I tried to provide some, uh, some perspective on some things. And one of the things that we, you know, learned, you know, one in 31 was, was, was completely avoidable. It didn't happen, but because there was such a big pissing contest between Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson kept saying F it and didn't care. Okay. And, and kept fighting. Well, the Miami Dolphins this year, and this is this is proof that Hugh Jackson shares a lot of blame for that stretch under Sashi Brown. The Miami Dolphins did exactly what the Browns did in 2016. They stripped their roster. They sold off their good players for draft picks, saved, opened up salary cap space. They managed to win five games this year. OK, so that's one fewer game than the ultra-talented 2019 Cleveland Browns did under Freddie Kitchens. Mm -hmm. So that's just to kind of provide some perspective here. And so what's going to happen now is all these behind-the-scenes pissing contests that have gone on over the years, going all the way back to Mike Pettin and Ray Farmer and uh, Rob Chudzinski and Mike Lombardi and and all that, okay? All that stuff should go away now because Dee Podesta, whether it's Andrew Barry or somebody else is the GM, and Kevin Stefanski, they're all going to be rolling in the same direction. And I, and, and from that standpoint, James, I think Browns fans can at least feel good that these uh, cliques or these factions within the building are being dissolved. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, you know? and, and it, it, it needs to be that way it, it, because you're a team. Right. right. You and I, when we approach events, when we were working on the same events, they all start week. Right. Guess what? You, me and Ben were a team. We, we were in lockstep with each other and communicated. Uh, can you imagine if you were worried about what story you were writing versus what I was doing versus what Ben was doing, that we would all clash? So right. I, I, I totally get that. I do. And, and from that aspect, it works. Um, and, and I guess this is a good point to kind of move, push the conversation forward. That's why I like Josh McDaniels, because where does he come from? An organization that, yeah, led by an old school football guy, but you better damn believe they use analytics and their coaches have a say in the analytics and and use the analytics and embrace that and embrace those stats because that's what they are. They're advanced stats that that, that, uh, these teams put together. So McDaniels, not only would he be able to work with his analytic guys, but the coaches he brings in would be working 
in lockstep position coaches and coordinators and, and all of that. And so to me, that that's the way I wanted to go is because you got a, a really, really smart and, and so many people praise Dee Podesta for being really smart. But Josh McDaniels, you're talking about an extremely smart man by all accounts, right? Uh, an experienced coach, six Super Bowls, offensive coordinator for three of them, and, and has Brady's ear like you wouldn't believe. Um, so that, to me, when you combine that with his failure, everyone mentions his Josh McDaniels' fa- failure in, in Denver and says, oh, man, well, most coaches do get fired. Mm-hmm. Most do. Most great. Well, you're hired. And, and, you are hired to be fired, as they cr- say, right? It, the it, question it, it, is, cr- is how long can you survive before you get fired? It, it, but the thing is, is everyone says he's smart. And, and, and what do smart people do? They learn from their mistakes. I think Josh McDaniels had a plan and, and a plan with a talented roster to come into Cleveland right away and be successful, but also establish and create a culture that they've never had. And I wonder now with, again, a less experienced guy in Kevin Stefanski who's never done it, never had a, a trial run of two years to, to go through his mistakes and learn from them, um, combined with uh, your your question marks uh, with Paul T. B. Podesta and what, he's, what he means to this organization now. Uh, and I think they got it wrong. I'll say that. Now, does that mean Kevin Stefanski isn't going to, to do, do well and this won't work? No, I have no idea. None of us do. But... I think Josh McDaniels was the best candidate, the most likely to turn things around and overcome 20 years of dysfunction, and they don't go that route. And this is what was alarming to me. Albert Breer said it. I think Dustin said it. You certainly said it. Uh, But the fact that the Browns weren't willing to make organizational changes that Josh McDaniels wanted, that is very frightening to me if I'm a Browns fan because you're talking about an extremely smart, accomplished coach Better than any of these other guys. Better than Hugh Jackson. And we all thought Hugh would have success, but better than him. Better than uh, Freddie Kitchens, obviously. More qualified than any of these guys we're talking about. Yep. And he's like, this is what you need to do. We can have success here. I want to be here. These are the changes we have to make. And the Haslams were not willing to do that. Uh, and they didn't want to make changes. They think it can be more of a plug-and-play type of situation. And that sounds great, And I, I, but I don't think it's that simple, especially when you were talking about sustained winning. Now, which is certainly what the the Browns want to do. So what happened with McDaniels and and why didn't it get done? Because it it felt like on Friday, like it was going to get done. I think you thought it was pointing that way. I know I did. And I was buckled up and ready to go. And it did not happen. Well, full disclosure, I actually had a Josh McDaniels hired by the Cleveland Browns (laughs) story written and ready to go at a moment's notice. That's how confident that I (laughs) that it was going to get done. Uh, but this is hey, you know, it's Jimmy Haslam's world and we're all living in it. You know what I mean? Um, he and D Haslam and JW Johnson, they own the team and it's their prerogative to run it however way they want. And unfortunately, since taking over, all they've done is run it straight into a ditch. So, um, you know, uh, again, why, why on earth would you contemplate making sweeping organizational changes when, how you've run it for the last seven years has worked out so great. And the results have, you know, <laughs> borne that out. And the amount of severance checks that you've had to, to, to write. I, he was the guy that I thought was the most qualified in talking to people. I, I, I felt like, you know, with Baker, he was the guy that could really ride him. Um, 
and and just had the cachet to just be like, you know, because, you know, if Baker ever gave him any grief or whatever, he'd just say, hey, hey, dude, I got six Super Bowl rings. That's six more than you have. Mm-hmm. I coach the greatest quarterback of all time who also has six rings. Uh, I coach instant, res- instant respect with right. Odell. I co- yeah, instant I, respect I, with Jarvis. I, I, I can tell you that. I have it on pretty good authority that Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry both wanted Josh McDaniels. They were ready for it. <laughs> I wonder how they're reacting to Kevin Stefanski. So, and, but, and, but and again, I'm not interested. I, I, I'm not interested in player surveys. You know, they, something else us. with that though. Yeah, Daryl is. What have we seen from Stefan Diggs this past year? Under Mike Zimmer, who's an extremely disciplined coach. I mean, he is. He's a hard ass. That's what he is. Temper tantrums on the sideline. Bad body language. Back and forth movement. Uh, You're Stephon Diggs. You're you're in that Jarvis range, I guess, of talent. But you certainly aren't Odell. What's going to happen when when it's Odell doing that? And and Kevin Stefanski needs to make sure that that doesn't happen. I don't think that'll happen with Josh McDaniels. And if it does... They'll get better from it. You know, he's gotten into some arguments with Brady on the sidelines, but guess what? Right. Then they go out and win. Yep. So just a, a point I wanted to, to mention here before. Well, I not, and not knowing that, but here, here's the thing, too. And this isn't just the Browns thing. It's the reality of the NFL. OK, stuff hits the fan all the time. You face adversity. Stuff goes wrong. Off the field issues, locker room drama, whatever. Right. Clashing personalities. Guys aren't getting the football. Whatever. OK. How you deal with deal with that? You know, Freddie Kitchens proved himself completely incapable of dealing with any of it, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I thought you know you made a great point. You know, Josh McDaniels and uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I don't think all three of those guys are like best friends, right? Especially Brady and Belichick. But you know what? They have a they have a respectful working relationship. Okay, and it's I need you. You need me. We both need to be at our best if we're going to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And that's the attitude that Baker Mayfield and this football team needs to take. Okay, is I need you. You need me. We all have to be at our best to accomplish what we all want to accomplish. Right. And is, you know, can Kevin Stefanski be that guy to extract that out of of these players and then also when the stuff hits the fan, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Odell throwing a temper tantrum on the sideline or Baker, or, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does he deal with how does he handle those type of situations? I don't know. I don't have the answers to that. Um, I don't think anybody does. And that's, you know, something that we are going to find out. And again, that's why I'm not sitting here saying this is the greatest hire in the world for the Browns and he was the best guy for the job. But it's also why I'm not sitting here saying that the the, the, the Browns made a colossal mistake and they're going to rue the day that they didn't hire Josh McDaniels uh, and, and went with Kevin Stefanski. Don't know how it's going to play out. Let's see. You know, we've done the win the press conference and the, and the, the coaching hire victory laps in Cleveland before, only to see guys get fired after a year or two. So I'm going to sit back. Let's see how this thing plays out. Um, you know, my goal over the next couple of days is to really get a, a, a good handle on uh, wh- how they're going to operate going forward, what the, the organizational philosophy is, even though I have a pretty good idea as it is. 
And, you know, uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, you can feel really good about from, from the deal of a player standpoint is, is, and I know you, you pointed to the, to, to the digs uh, statistics, but, you know, unlike Freddie, who uh, I think it was Jarvis that talked about uh, at the end of the season, how with Freddie, it was about plays and X's and O's rather than just taking advantage of your opponent's weaknesses and exploiting them and, and positioning your players uh, to be successful that, you know, Stefanski's about that. He's about using probabilities. He's about, you, you know, using that data or analytics, as everyone likes to say. And there's nothing wrong with analytics, okay? Analytics is there to help you make better decisions, to increase your probability of success from an intellectual standpoint. You know, hey, what did our opponent run from this with this group of personnel, this formation on this down and distance, okay? So that, that, that's great, but you also need players to win. Okay. And, and execute and be able, you need quality players and without quality players, you can't win plain and simple. Uh, so I don't have a problem with an analytical approach. I don't think it's a bad thing. The issue that I had under the Sashi Brown regime was they kept getting crappy players. Like that was my thing was like, okay, you accumulated all these draft picks and you drafted a bunch of guys that can't play that aren't in the league anymore. So, um, that's that was my uh, disagreement with that uh, particular uh, sure. regime. You know what I mean? But I have no problem with using analytics and, you know, uh, probabilities. And uh, that's what smart teams do. Bill, but guess what? Bill Belichick did. Bill Belichick did that when he was with the Cleveland Browns mm -hmm. back in the early 90s. OK, so that the analytics, you know, some fans talk about it like it's a four letter word. It's not it. it it's not. Um, it's, it's actually a very good thing. It's an intelligent way of approaching things. And let's be honest about it. The Cleveland Browns haven't exactly had an intelligent way of approaching things over the years, especially with the Haslam's in charge. But I, I, I think that here going forward, they will, we're just going to find out, you know, what type of players fit in to their trains of thought. And it's my understanding. They're not going to blow this thing up. So I, I hope not, because here's the thing, man, when you look at analytics, I'll tell you right now, and when you look at data and, and, and what what you need out of, let's say, your, your second wide receiver or your first wide receiver, um, when you compare it to the, the, the linebacker need, for example, I don't know if they want to pay two wide receivers 30 plus million dollars total, you know, spend two, a, a ton of money on two guys like that in Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, especially at the production of last year. Now, I'm not saying that. Andrew Barry's going to come in here and trade those guys. But at the same time, would I be shocked if it's like, yeah, we can get, you know, B minus production and move on from one of these guys and use that money towards a linebacker, use that money towards a tackle or use that money towards. And heck, some people think that they should do that anyway. I'm not one of them. I will say, though, thinking back to Jimmy Haslam's press conference, he was like, no, we think we have a good foundation of players here. And by the way, I will say this with McDaniels. I don't think he meant come in here and blow up the roster. I think this is very much a behind-the-scenes type of thing. He loves Baker, all right? The, the Patriots wanted Odell. I, the Patriots have loved for years and years and years a guy like Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. That's what Jarvis Landry is. He's a slot-wide receiver who can make the plays on third and six that you need. So I, I don't think McDaniels would have came in here and blown up the roster either. I think it was very much a behind-the-scenes type of shakeup uh, that, that could have given the, the Browns continuity in the culture that they were looking for but it uh it was fun while it lasted i, I do think that kevin stefanski will uh 
uh, will be an upgrade. And I think it's safe to say, regardless of who they got, Daryl, it's going to be an upgrade from Freddie Kitchens. How much of one? Right. I'm not sure, but uh, certainly something we'll, we, we'll be talking about on this podcast and you'll be covering uh, throughout 2020. Yeah, you know, like I said, I'm not I don't have any hot takes. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> you know, but let's see how this thing plays out. I certainly understand the direction that they're going, some of their thinking. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to provide uh, fans with a, a deeper uh, understanding uh, and whatnot. But, um, you know. I, I would say like Josh McDaniels would have required zero explanation if they hired him. Right. Whereas the Stefanski hire, Deepa Podesta's influence, the front office, there's a lot of questions now that need to be answered. And hopefully mm-hmm. the Browns uh, in, the, in the coming days here are uh, transparent about it and, uh, you know, help us kind of convey uh, uh, to the fans and answer for the fans some of these questions uh, that they have, uh, because uh, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, like we, I, I think we've talked to Paul DePodesta maybe three or four times tops since he's joined the organization. And that includes his introductory press conference. And that includes like drafts and what, like we just, we don't, we well, don't he get should to have talk, to talk now. He should yeah, have to like, talk now because like we he's, don't get, he's the one who led this. Right. Like, you know, we don't, we don't have access to him. So um, the, you know, maybe some in the national media have some access to them or whatnot, but the local beats, we have no access to Paul DePodesta. So I really hope that we get some so that, again, we can really get a deeper understanding because um, uh, perception is reality. Right now, there's a negative perception of this guy. And that's because in the absence of information, well, you, you know, you're, you're left to speculation. So um, it's uh, he got his guy. A year later than he wanted him, but uh, as I wrote on the website, and go check it out, Paul DeBidesta's fingerprints are all over this one because uh, you had the two owners, the son-in-law, the capologist, and Paul DePodesta. That was your search committee this year. So um, there's some splaining that needs to be done, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way, um, but I, I do think it would behoove the Browns to be very transparent about uh, what led them to bring Kevin Stefanski in as the uh, 18th coach overall, 10th full-time coach hired in the expansion era, and the fifth hired by the Haslam's since the 2013 offseason. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Rapine. That's going to do it for this edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat podcast. Like he said, make sure you're checking out his work at 923thefan.com and subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the radio.com app, wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back at it later, uh, maybe later this week, certainly uh, next week on a weekly basis. Um, but for the time being, while we're waiting for introductories and everything like that, keep it locked on 923thefan and 923thefan.com. For Daryl Ryder, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.